Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. Tweet out my Dub Club link every day as well for you to subscribe for a seven day free trial. $20 a week from there moving forward. So, again, shoot me a follow at Undercover Greg. Follow the podcast at full underscore slate underscore pod. And shoot our jack of all trades, Alex Uplinger, a follow as well at Alex underscore up seven. Alex, a little under the weather today, though, as I record on a Thursday evening, which means you're stuck with me for the next 45 minutes or so as we run through the NFL Week 18 card with. One last NFL Sunday uh, in earnest, I should say, to enjoy on Sunday before the postseason is upon us in just one week's time. Let's get started without further ado with the pair of games on Saturday where we're going to begin with a battle in the AFC West as, of course, it is all divisional games as the final week of the regular season has been for quite some time now in the National Football League. And it's the Kansas City Chiefs laying 11 and the hook against the Denver Broncos on the road. A total in this game of 45. And clearly, in week 18, you're always going to look at motivation. But I do want to point out, when it comes to Kansas City, I think this is worth noting. And I think this is worth noting in general, that you do have a little bit of a point spread tax applied here to these teams that need the games. Kansas City, obviously, needing a win and a Titans loss in Houston to clinch the number one seed in the AFC. 
And Denver, obviously, is eliminated from the playoffs. Looks like it is a lame duck coaching situation in Denver with Vic Fangio. I would say better than 50% chance of being let go after this game. Having said all that, 11.5 is a steep number. Like I said, I think there's some point spread taxes applied to some of these teams that aren't really playing for anything, uh, or excuse me, that have a lot to play for, particularly against teams that don't have anything to play for, which is what we have here. So 11.5 on the road is a little steep. Alex has mentioned this in pods that he's co-hosted with me about how the Kansas City Chiefs were a little fortunate to cover getting a defensive touchdown, at least one that I can remember, against the Denver Broncos of a number in a similar point spread range. I believe it was actually a shorter number in Arrowhead when these two teams played about five, six weeks ago. And uh, Kansas City covered the game. As I said, they get a defensive touchdown, so that's obviously going to help the cause there for a favorite of close to 10 points. As I double-check it now, the final score in that game was 22-9 to Kansas City. So that was when the Chiefs were kind of in their uh, lull, I guess, if you will, where they were winning games rather unimpressively, and we were still hesitant to declare the Chiefs was back. And I know a lot of people have since gone there in the recent weeks, but the Chiefs did lose last week in Cincinnati against the Bengals, and it just doesn't feel like this point spread is warranted with a Kansas City team that even when it was humming in previous seasons or this year at various times, struggled to cover these numbers. So I definitely won't be taking the Kansas City side. And there is an interesting angle that I don't think really should be applicable, but you never know with the way these teams operate. And if there has not been any closed-door meeting with Vic Fangio and the Denver Brass, and if they have not decided yet what his fate is, is there a chance that Vic Fangio is coaching for his job here? I know that Denver's not going to the playoffs regardless, but if you're able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs at home as a big underdog like this, are you able to kind of make one last you know, Hail Mary attempt, if you will, at saving your job? That might be a little bit of a desperate angle on my end, and I'm not backing Denver. At 45, this total feels about right. 22-9, the last time these two teams played, you would expect certainly Kansas City, and I think fair to assume that Denver would be able to at least get into the double digits, and like I said, you'd expect Kansas City to score more than the 22 that these two teams, uh, that it scored the last time it played Denver, and like I said, seven of those 22 coming via defense, so I don't really have much of a lean here, uh, and it's just going to be one that I pass on, and so is the next game, actually, as Dallas visits Philadelphia. Cowboys are a four and a half point favorite at Lincoln Financial Field, Saturday night game, total of 40 three and a half as I record on a Thursday afternoon we just don't know what these teams are going to do with regard to playing guys sitting guys the Dallas Cowboys have already won the NFC East they cannot get the number one seed as Green Bay locked that up last week so the Cowboys are sitting anywhere from seeds two through four in the NFC Philadelphia is in a similar position when it comes to the wild card situation Eagles have already clinched one of those playoff bursts however uh, it's obviously an Eagles team that cannot win the division. As I said, Dallas has already clinched it. So do the Eagles really care about the sixth seed or the seventh seed? They're in the playoffs in the first year of Nick Sirianni's regime, which in and of itself is an accomplishment for Philly. Just don't know who's going to play. I guess I would lean with Dallas only because if both teams sit players, I'm going to take a chance on the deeper roster at 
you know, just over a field goal here at four and a half and, and go ahead and would roll the dice. So if you're dying for action in a Saturday primetime game, maybe go ahead and take the Dallas Cowboys minus the points. But I wouldn't feel great about it. And I think this is another one where you just have a hard time forecasting anything before kickoff. And there's a lot of games like this where we books hang numbers and we don't really know what's going on. Like I'll mention it right now. I'm not going to talk about Green Bay and Detroit because that number has actually come off the board at some shops and others still have, you know, Green Bay as a small favorite. And it's very difficult to know what the Packers want to do because they've already clinched the bye week. So do they want to give their players two weeks off? You know, like DraftKings is at Green Bay minus three and a half right now. You're just taking a guess. And it's one that I don't really want to take. So that applies to Dallas and Philadelphia and that applies to Green Bay. So I think anytime if you, I will say this, if you have a hunch regarding certain players and, or, you know, not necessarily inside Intel, obviously, but just a hunch that makes you think, okay, I think Team X will do action Y regarding player Z, then yeah, if you want to try and beat the market, I don't blame you, but I try and deal with absolutes and concretes when it comes to this space. So I will stay away from both Philadelphia and Dallas and Detroit and Green Bay. I want to get to my first play now of the week 18 slate, and it features the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Chicago Bears. And I think this game's kind of interesting in the sense that both of these teams may be playing for lame duck head coaches, and you wonder a little bit about the kind of levels of auditioning that Matt Nagy and Mike Zimmer might be doing for future employers. And I think also for Minnesota, Kirk Cousins has a uncertain future looming over him with one year left on a very lucrative contract. And I think the Vikings, depending on where they go with a head coach, if they do move on from Mike Zimmer, I think the Vikings would be wise to also move on from Kirk Cousins. I think generally speaking, anytime you make a coaching change, if you don't have a locked-in plan at quarterback already, then you want to go ahead and try and move off your quarterback if you can and give the coach a clean slate. And certainly when it's the case for Kirk Cousins, with the high salary, he's got the third largest cap number for 2022. So if you're the Vikings and you're thinking about changing coaches, why wouldn't you also at least canvas the market for Kirk Cousins and see what's out there in the new league year and really in the coming weeks even once the season comes to a conclusion for the Purple People Eaters. Having said all that, that's why I like the Vikings here as a five-point home favorite. I will lay it at home. Mike Zimmer's been a good home coach. We've talked about him quite a bit as being a guy we like to back at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Didn't quite work out for me last or a couple weeks ago against the L.A. Rams as a short dog, but Cousins should be back, and this is a chance for him to audition for the rest of the league 
because there's going to be plenty of teams that are in the quarterback market. And Kirk Cousins, say what you want about him, 30 touchdowns, 7 picks so far this season. That's comparable with his 2019 Pro Bowl season, a season in which the, the only season he took the Vikings to the playoffs and did win a playoff game that year. So I, I know that Cousins kind of gets clowned a lot, primetime woes and a lot of it warranted. But I'll say this. He's in his 1 o'clock Eastern time time slot in a game that doesn't really mean much for either team. That's a gambling spot I like to take advantage of when it comes to Kirk Cousins. These are the games he usually plays well in. Auditioning for trade candidates. Mike Zimmer perhaps auditioning for a new job elsewhere if the Vikings do turn the page. Yeah, you can make that argument for Matt Nagy. uh, But Zimmer, I think, a far more accomplished coach than Nagy. And he's been in Minnesota for almost a decade. So... Uh, I certainly think that there will be some kind of uh, lasting sentiment that Zimmer will want to leave upon the rest of the National Football League with this game. And I also think that Kirk Cousins experiences some of that stuff as well as it could be his final game with the Minnesota Vikings as well. All of that has me on the Vikings minus five at home for my first play for NFL Week 18. Let's move forward. And go to South Beach, where the New England Patriots travel down to Miami to take on the Dolphins. New England laying six and a half on the road with a total of just 40. Gosh, you know, it's a revenge game of sorts for New England as they end their season with the same opponent that they started it with. And if you remember, Miami went to Foxborough and beat the Patriots in week one in a game in which Damian Harris fumbled late and kind of gift-wrapped the victory for the Dolphins. Obviously, Miami is now eliminated from playoff contention, and it was a nice little spurt that the Dolphins went on. But then you remember that they were doing it largely against backup quarterbacks and teams that were floundering a bit themselves. So Brian Flores certainly proved his worth as the head coach of this team and will be back in 2022. Don't have to sweat that. But... The Patriots are still in line to potentially win the division. They they would need a massive upset with the New York Jets in Orchard Park against the Buffalo Bills. But having said that, still something on the line for New England. Six and a half on the road with a New England team that we know is not a quick strike offense and wants to run the ball. That's a little steep for my liking. I worry about Miami maybe tapping out now that the season is over for the Dolphins and their long winning streak came to an end why would they get back up don't like either side here and uh, you know I, I will say this if you were forcing a play you could talk me into the over based on the fact that if Miami has tapped out maybe you look at the New England team total over and that would also you know we always associate effort with defense right and if you're effort is there you're flying to the football you're wrapping up on your tackles you're not giving up the extra couple yards on you know third and seven to move the sticks stuff like that and so if Miami truly is tapped out then maybe this gets ugly still the New England side is a little pricey I think New England team total over would probably be my play if you stuck a gun to my head and said bet this game one game that you don't need to stuck a gun to stick a gun to my head to bet takes place actually also in the state of Florida where it's the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Duval to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Indy laying 15 and the hook, total of 44. This is another one where you want to fade the team that has a lot on the line because this number is just crazy. At 15 and a half, the Colts 
obviously need the game to clinch a playoff berth. And if they lose, then they're almost definitely going to miss the postseason. So there's, it is right in front of Indianapolis. But at this point spread, I, I cannot endorse a bet on Indy. A matter of fact, I will take the other side and back the Jacksonville Jaguars catching all of those points. For whatever reason, Duval has been a house of horrors for the Indianapolis Colts. They have not won in Duval since 2015. And I don't really know how to explain that, but they've been sleepy. And excuse me, 2014 was the last time the Colts defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. So the best explanation I can give is that in some instances, these teams that are dead, like a Jags team that we all say is a dysfunctional mess, well, sometimes that mindset gets into the heads of the players and say what you want about coach speak and cliches that maybe you might be hearing from Indianapolis players, coaches, whatever. There's got to be part of them that thinks that this is an easy cakewalk game as well. And so for the weirdest of reasons, it hasn't been. I would bet on it continuing. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been really bad in his rookie season. There's no doubt about that. But Jacksonville just got embarrassed last week by New England. You'd like to think there's still some pride in that Jags locker room. The Urban Meyer firing doesn't appear to have ignited the Jags like some people thought. But you're going to give me the Jags catching over two touchdowns at home against a division rival in a spot in which the Colts need to win to clinch the postseason. I think the Jags, you can at least expect a little bit of motivation from here, at least enough to go ahead and back them plus the 15 and the hook, which is what I will do here against the Indianapolis Colts. Next up is an AFC East clash, and it features the New York Jets traveling to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. New York is a 16-point underdog in this game with a total sitting at 41. Buffalo, obviously, is your AFC East champ for the second year in a row with a victory in this game. So... Having said that, you know, I don't necessarily think that this is one of those point spread taxes because we've seen Buffalo laying this kind of number at home against Atlanta, laying this kind of number at home against Carolina, and the Jets are probably a couple points worse than Atlanta and Carolina. So I think the number here makes sense on the side at 16, but I think the total kind of interests me, and I'm going to go over 41. I know that Buffalo in January can be a mess, right? I mean, that's kind of goes without saying. But I think that's also a little bit of a misperception that we just assume that cold weather, yicky climate, winds and snow can result in low point totals and, 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 excuse me, in games going under the total. You know, and that might be what happens here is it looks like there's going to be rain and snow showers with winds in the 20 mile per hour range but Zach Wilson for what it's worth has played well the last month or so for the Jets and I feel like it's maybe not being talked about because well the Jets are the Jets they're not in the playoff picture they haven't been all season but he's gone four straight games without an interception and I think there's some late life in Zach Wilson's rookie season that Maybe he isn't being talked about that much. So can he get the Jets in the end zone twice here? 
I, I think that's reasonable. And then can I get 28 from the Bills? Given, you know, Josh Allen tends to be no stranger to these cold weather games, obviously whole career with the Bills and college career in Wyoming. Like, yeah, I think it's possible that these teams can still score here. And the Jets have sucked on defense, right? So it's not as if Buffalo is up against the Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom or something. So why wouldn't Buffalo, you know, be able to get close to 30? And again, I, I think if that's the case and I can get two touchdowns out of the Jets, I think I can get over 41. I know it's uh, not the flashiest of plays and it might not be one that you're salivating over, but I'm going to take over 41 New York Jets at Buffalo Bills for my next play. Let's go back to the state of Florida where the Carolina Panthers travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Carolina, an eight-point underdog in this game, total of 41.5. I'm going to stay away from this. Carolina has been an absolute mess the whole second half of the season, really the whole last three quarters of the season after starting 3-0. The Panthers really fell off a cliff, and maybe uh, Matt Rule firing might be coming on Monday, on Black Monday in the NFL. We'll have to see as that seat has gotten pretty hot pretty quickly after the seven-year contract that David Tepper handed out to Matt Rule doesn't appear to be looking too good at the moment. So Carolina definitely a team that you, I wouldn't want to back right now. Having said that, they did hold their own nearly cover against the New Orleans Saints last week uh, for what it's worth. Another divisional game here for Carolina. Panthers just got slaughtered by the Bucks at home. So uh, there's not much that really gets you to the window with Carolina unless you believe, and I talked about it earlier, where if you believe that there's going to be some... You know, if you have a hunch maybe that the Bucks might sit some players, right? It's been a tumultuous week for Tampa amidst the Antonio Brown fiasco taking another turn. So if you if you subscribe to that theory that, you know what, why would you play players if you're Tampa? You've locked in the NFC South. You're not going to get the number one seed. And you have a home playoff game, you know, squared away. And do the Bucks really care about seeding, right? Are, we gonna, are you going to sit here and tell me that the defending Super Bowl champs care about seeding. You know, I mean, they have minimum one home playoff game, maybe more if things bounce their way wild card weekend. And I just don't see the motivation for Tampa to really care that much about this game. Unless you want to argue, well, they didn't play that well against the Jets and they need a round into form. Okay. Still not enough to lay eight points, in my opinion, with Tampa Bay. So... The only way I, I'm going to pass, you know, but the only way I would play would be to take Carolina on a little bit of a hunch that Tampa might sit some guys later in the week. We the number moves and you you got a good ticket, or the Bucks just have had a distraction filled week amidst the Antonio Brown chaos and they didn't have their best week of game prep. But still a pass for me in this game between a pair of NFC South teams. Let's go to the AFC South, where the Tennessee Titans look to lock up the number one seed in the AFC in Houston as the Titans are a 10.5-point favorite against the Texans. Total in this game of 43. And this is going to be another one, much like the other AFC South underdog with Jacksonville. I'll take the 10 points, or 10.5, excuse me. Give me the double digits with the home dog, and I will back the Houston Texans at home. I know Alex, I kind of wish he was here so we could have a consensus play on the Texans because he has gone to the well with the Texans in this price range time and time again. And I'll tell you what, 
The second half of the season, the Texans have not looked like an abomination. And for a team that looked to be well on its way to the number one pick in September and October and the early parts of November, I think there's some, can we say, some value in that. The Titans lost at home to the Texans when these two teams met back in November. And the Titans laid an egg, turned the ball over a bunch. So it wasn't like the Texans had their best showing. And it was mostly bad Tennessee that led to the victory for Houston. Having said that, I think Davis Mills, the rookie quarterback out of Stanford for Houston, has proved his worth and shown that he deserves to be the Texans quarterback for 2022. And he probably will be that quarterback regardless of what happens in this game. But I mentioned it with Kirk Cousins, maybe auditioning for the rest of the league. I think Davis Mills probably auditioning for the rest of the Houston Texans, you know, front office one last time to lock in his starting position for 2022. So part of it there. And I think there also might be a little bit of a letdown here for Tennessee. Coming off a blowout win against Miami, you're on top of the world now in the driver's seat after Kansas City loses to Cincinnati. Yeah, I could see the Titans being a little flat here. Still waiting on Derrick Henry, and it seems like he will return for the playoffs, but won't play this week. And, of course, if the Titans win, then you get two more weeks because you get the bye if you're Tennessee. But I'm not seeing the Titans coasting here like they did against the Miami Dolphins last week. Remember, this is a Texans team that beat the Chargers a couple weeks ago as a 10.5-point dog at home. So the Texans have been competent at times. (laughs) Probably the nicest thing you could say about them. But it's enough to back the Texans plus 10 and a half. A couple more games in the early window to get to before we get to the late afternoon slots. And actually, now that I say that, I'm pretty sure Carolina and Tampa Bay is one of those late window games as I'm just going in rotation order and not chronological order. And yes, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Jets, Bills, uh, Patriots, Dolphins are all late games. So ignore what I just said, but nonetheless, we're going to keep moving through the rotation here and go to MetLife Stadium where the Washington football team is a touchdown road favorite against the New York Giants. Total of just 38, which is crazy to see a number that low on a total in the NFL. But my gosh, I really want to take the New York Giants just because Washington is a mess and the football team the last three, four weeks has fallen out of playoff contention and then some, but I can't do it. I just can't do it with the Giants. They are such a joke, and Joe Judge somehow might hang on to his job, but the Giants struggle to get first downs. I mean, I was at the Giants-Eagles game a couple weeks ago in Philly, and it was agita watching the Giants, you know, try and move the football. And I say that as an Eagles fan. I mean, it was really messy. So... I don't think Washington has any business laying seven on the road, but I just cannot get myself to taking the New York Giants to do anything good. One underdog that I think most people are going to talk themselves into, and I think it could be a little bit of a trendy dog, so I'll stay away, but I probably would lean that way, is the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Charm City to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, one of the best rivalries in the National Football League will be renewed at M&T Bank Stadium. And Pittsburgh is a five-point road road underdog, excuse me, with a total in this game sitting at about 41 and a half. 
One last Mike Tomlin, Big Ben underdog game I think will excite a lot of people. And it does look like Tyler Huntley will get the nod again for Baltimore as Lamar Jackson continues to be washed, or excuse me, a little dinged up, not washed up. But, uh, you know, it's just been a season of hard times for the Baltimore Ravens with all the injuries that they've suffered going all the way back to the preseason. So having said that, I think that Pittsburgh turns into a little bit of a trendy underdog. Both of these teams still mathematically alive for the playoffs. Pittsburgh just won on Monday Night Football. Whole nation got to see the Big Ben send-off game in Pittsburgh, one that we had here and gave out on the pod last week. But as far as this game is concerned, I'll probably pass uh, just on the basis that, like I said, Pittsburgh feels like a trendy dog, and I don't always love taking those trendy dogs. So I'll pass in this AFC North clash. Another AFC North clash that I'm not that interested in is the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Northeast Ohio as the battle for Ohio will be renewed in Cleveland. Bengals are a six-point road dog, total of 38. Again, another really low total there. And the only thing I'm going to do here is give a shout-out to Alex. Again, he's not with us on the pod here, but I think he astutely got in at Browns plus three. This is what I'm talking about with hunches on teams sitting out uh, players. And now the Bengals are going to sit Joe Burrow. Joe Mixon's on the COVID protocol. So Alex is sitting on a nine-point closing line value ticket there with Cleveland plus three at home. Not sure what, you know, and and obviously Baker Mayfield not going to play here, but we know that we saw it. You know, they won a game against Denver without Baker Mayfield, nearly beat the Raiders with Nick Mullins in that Monday night game. So... I look at Cleveland as being the only side. Clearly, they're a six-point favorite, so I don't want to endorse it now. But really, the only point of even bringing this game up is to shout out Alex for getting in at plus three with Cleveland at the beginning of the week at home. One game that I will play and I actually really like is in the late window. It's the next game in the rotation, the Seattle Seahawks going to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals in Glendale. Seattle, a a six-and-a-half-point road underdog, total of 48 in this one. Give me the Seattle Seahawks catching close to a touchdown. Max play for me on the Seahawks here. Talked about Big Ben with this send-off game. Well, we might have a double send-off game here as Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson both could be on the way out in the Pacific Northwest. I would not be surprised one bit. I think this is kind of the prevailing sentiment, actually, and the expected outcome that Pete Carroll will go ahead and step away and retire and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't see why he would continue to coach. He's 70 years old. So if you're talking about Seattle potentially entering a rebuild, then why would Pete Carroll stick around for that? I think the Russell Wilson situation is a little more ambiguous in the sense that we have seen rebuilds transpire a little quicker than maybe you would have expected. I'm an Eagles fan. The Eagles were not expected to be good this year. They opted to go with a young head coach in Nick Sirianni and a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts in what looked like a rebuild, and here they are in the playoffs. So these things can happen. You can turn it around quickly and still win, and if that's what John Schneider and the Seattle Brass do believe, then Russell Wilson might be back in Seattle in 2022. Having said that, I think this is very likely Pete Carroll's final game with the Seahawks, and I think it's there's maybe a 50-50 chance it's Russell Wilson's final game with the Seahawks. So... Give me Seattle catching close to a touchdown with some of those emotions on the line this week for the Seahawks. And you know what? I also love 
fading teams in obvious letdown spots. And that's exactly what we have here with the Arizona Cardinals. Going to Dallas last week, getting a nice win on the road, and kind of uh, quieting the doubters because there were plenty of them when the losses have piled up for Arizona in the last you know recent weeks, so much so to where the Rams control their destiny to win the NFC West. More on that in a second. The Cardinals go to Dallas and they get a win and shut everybody up for at least a week. Now it feels like a nice letdown spot to fade Arizona. You know, they're in the playoffs already. They need a win and a Rams loss to be the NFC West champs. I just don't trust Arizona to do its job. I think Seattle might be live on the money line here. And Arizona, again, I think lays somewhat of an egg here, at least enough of an egg to not cover this number. So give me the 12s. Even though they're on the road, I guess I think we can still call. Well, I guess the 12s are the fans, so I guess you can't call them that, even though they, for, for whatever reason, retired the number 12 there in Seattle. Different conversation for a different day. I will take the Hawks, plus 6.5, max play in NFL Week 18 on the Seattle Seahawks. Final game in the afternoon slate, late afternoon slate, before we get to the Sunday Nighter. And it's the San Francisco 49ers traveling to SoFi Stadium to take on the L.A. Rams. Don't know why I had a brain freeze there, but that's what happens when you're doing nothing but talking for 30 to 45 minutes. So, Rams with a win. They are the NFC East champions. Excuse me, NFC West champions. 49ers with a win, and they're in the playoffs. And with that in mind, I think clearly both teams needing the game Seattle for, or excuse me, San Francisco for more reasons than L.A. And I would lean with San Francisco in the sense that Kyle Shanahan has had a very good track record against Sean McVay. And we saw a couple of months ago now, back in the middle of November... So, a little less than two months ago, uh, thereabout, San Francisco really turned its season around with a Monday night drubbing of the LA Rams. So, I think San Francisco is definitely coming in feeling good about the matchup and feeling confident. But I stopped short of backing them because this quarterback situation concerns me a little bit. Jimmy Garoppolo with that thumb problem. Where is he at health wise? And what kind of 49ers team, you know, offense do we get? I mean, we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit of of a game manager to begin with. I mean, Trey Lance looked pretty good last week. But the uncertainty for Garoppolo keeps me off the 49ers. One thing I will say, I don't trust Matt Stafford at all. And I host talk shows for a national radio network. Talked about how I think there's no individual with more pressure on him the next three, four weeks than Matthew Stafford in the NFL. Because the LA Rams made a point of acquiring Matthew Stafford as an upgrade to Jared Goff to get them over the hump and win a Super Bowl. And now if the Rams lose this game, they're in danger of not winning the NFC West, having to win three road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. And make no mistake, the Rams are in Super Bowl or bust mode. Why else do you go out and get Von Miller, go out and bring in Odell Beckham Jr.? few years ago now, but move, make the move for Jalen Ramsey. Make the big move for Matt Stafford. And Stafford plays the biggest position in the game. 
a lot of pressure on Stafford. I like the idea of fading him and expecting him to cripple under that pressure. And I'd be on San Francisco here if I just knew a little more about the health of Jimmy Garoppolo and where he's at. So I will pass the game. Strong lean, though, on San Francisco. One last game that I forgot to mention in the late afternoon window features the New Orleans Saints traveling to the Atlanta Falcons to take on Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith. New Orleans is a three and a half point road favorite in this one. And I am going to steer clear. I would be very weary, uh, leery of New Orleans because it's a New Orleans team that just can't score sometimes. And do you want to give up over a field goal on the road with New Orleans against an Atlanta team that, you know what, let's not kid ourselves. Eight and nine in year one with Arthur, Arthur Smith, that wouldn't be so bad. That would be a nice, you know, I think they won four games last year. So they double their win total from 2020 and the Falcons would springboard into 2022 with some nice momentum. And bear in mind, Atlanta won at the Superdome in the middle of November. So I think New Orleans... Their offense is so bad where the Saints are capable of laying an egg and losing this game outright. And I hope they do because I'm holding an Atlanta Falcons over 7.5 wins season win total ticket. Thought about maybe trying to hedge out, but of course if I lay the points with the Saints, I could end up getting middled in a bad way and losing both. I like it when it's the other way around, right? And you got a win total over and then the team who needs one more win is an underdog. Excuse me, is a favorite. And you can come in and take the underdog plus the points and hope for the middle and cash both. Well, here I'm on the wrong end of that, where if I look to lay it with New Orleans and get middled, I lose both. So having said that, I'll stay away, but New Orleans is probably one of my least trustworthy teams of you know teams in must-win spots this week. It's a tough endorsement for me to get behind New Orleans. So a strong lean to Atlanta. Catching three in the hook at home in the regular season finale there between those two teams. Lastly, speaking of a team catching around, well, this this one right on three at home. Sunday Night Football, LA Chargers traveling to Sin City to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Total of 49 and a half. Love, love, love the Raiders. Because do we really think the Chargers are going to just get it done? and cakewalk their way here to the postseason. The Chargers, a team notorious for choking. A team that has a young quarterback. A team that has a first-year head coach. Do we really expect the Chargers to go on the road against a division rival that needs the game just as much as they do? The winner of this game is in the playoffs. These teams are going in opposite directions. The Chargers have been fading. The Raiders have been rising. Who would have thought, you know, a month ago, Raiders get clobbered by the Kansas City Chiefs for the second time at Arrowhead. I believe that dropped them under 500. Yeah, they caught a little bit of a break with the situation and the Cleveland Browns and those COVID postponements. But here are the Raiders now sitting at 9 and 7. And they can end the end the season on a four-game winning streak and get to the playoffs. Rich Basaccia, the interim head coach, could maybe cement his status as the full-time head coach 
I mean, maybe. I think would, right? How are you going to win four in a row and make the playoffs from out of nowhere and not keep the guy at least for 2022? Saw somebody mention this week on one of the shows, Mark Davis hired Becky Hammond as his WNBA coach. Point being, Becky Hammond was a big name in basketball coaching circles. And Mark Davis is an owner that likes to make splashes. So, if Rich Passaccio loses this game, he probably isn't back. And Mark Davis probably looks to cast a wide net and bring in a massive name. It didn't work out with John Gruden, but you don't think that would make him try it again? But again, if you make the playoffs having won four in a row out of nowhere like this, you have to come back with Rich Passaccia in 2022. And if you don't make the playoffs, well, you dealt with a lot, right? Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, everything that happened this year and getting blown out twice by the Chiefs. One time, the, the one in Vegas was a Sunday night game. Everybody was watching. So the Raiders don't have any pressure on them. Whereas the Chargers have all the pressure on them. I mentioned Matt Stafford as the quarterback that has, or the player, the one individual in the NFL that has the most pressure on him the next month or so. As far as this week goes, there's no team that has more pressure on them than the LA Chargers. Because the Chargers fired Anthony Lynn, and we all said, well, he was the problem. And Brandon Staley, early in the season, has the Chargers looking good. Clobbered the Raiders at SoFi early in the season, Monday night game. Went to Arrowhead early in the season, won against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, late in the season, just a few weeks ago, Thursday night game against Kansas City, and we're all saying, oh, wait a second. Chargers win this game, they could supplant the Chiefs in the AFC West. Well, they end up losing that one. They lose to the Texans the week after. And how quickly the tables have turned to where now the Raiders are even and it's a division rivalry game for playoff berth. I just don't trust the Chargers. Why would you? Notorious team for choking. Rookie head coach in Brandon Staley. Yeah, give me the Raiders plus three for my final pick on this NFL Week 18 podcast. That is going to wrap things up for me. Flying solo here on a Thursday evening. You listen on a Friday morning. Hopefully we'll get Alex back here for NFL Wild Card Weekend as the single elimination tournament will be set in, what, about 72 hours from now? No, a little more than that. 76 hours. Countdown is on. That's at 7.15 Eastern, 6.15 Central as I finish up here on a Thursday evening. That'll wrap things up for me. Everyone enjoy the rest of the regular season in the National Football League. My name is Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Alex manages our podcast Twitter. And of course, everyone, please play responsibly.